Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 83 of The Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 166 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended January 18th, 2020. Welcome. This week, we are once again witnessing history made in our country, the third time in our country's history that articles of impeachment were transmitted from the House to the Senate. Our senators were formally sworn in, took the oath to deliver impartial justice, although it was unclear some of them had the intent to actually carry that through. Uh, Notably this week, the photo that accompanies week 166 are the House managers selected by Speaker Pelosi, notably from historical perspective in the past two impeachments. There have been 20 managers that have, have been involved in impeachment hearings. They've all been two things. One is white and the second is male. So I salute Speaker Pelosi for picking seven managers, three of whom are women and three of whom are people of color. That is great progress against a backdrop where increasingly we see Trump surrounded by decision makers who are all white men. This week, we're going to be talking about touching on one uh, ceremony that he held in particular where um, that was to pass phase one of the deal with China. That might sound familiar to you because he's bragged that he did it two other times and had two other ceremonies, but this time he really did it. But everybody seated at the table from our side was white and male. And again, we just see that more and more. Whatever Make America Great Again was, uh, that is what it is to him. It is bringing us back to some circa 1950 kind of deal where white men do the decisions and Make the laws and impose them on everybody else. Take away everyone else's rights and protections. That's authoritarianism, folks. And it is creeping on us rather quickly. This impeachment inquiry and hearing and trial could not be more important to what our country faces. This week, as we also get underway with the impeachment inquiry, we are going to talk about the fallout of um, documents being released by the House of Lev Parnas, a Giuliani associate. And also as the trial begins, the Government Accountability Office has found Trump violated the law by withholding Ukraine aid. And Ukraine is set to investigate whether the U.S. ambassador in Kiev was under surveillance. So a lot we're going to be talking about this week. I want to open up with a particularly disturbing story. Um On Friday, the Washington Post reported that in a National Archives exhibit celebrating the centennial of women's suffrage, a 49 by 69 inch photograph of the 2017 Women's March was altered to blur posters carried by marchers critical of Trump. The archives acknowledged in a statement to the Post that it made multiple alterations to the original photo, blurring signs held by protesters that were critical of Trump or referenced women's anatomy. The archives said the decision was made by agency managers and museum staff members. Officials did not provide the post with other examples of other photographs being altered or, 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 or changed in any way to avoid engaging political controversy. 
Uh, right after this weekly this came up, they did apologize. But again, this is something I, that Tim Snyder warned about in his book about tyranny, that when people start to anticipate the consequences and take actions against authoritarianism, we are far down the rabbit hole, my friends. Many people noted this around Twitter saying this sounds like Russia or it sounds like another authoritarian regime, and it certainly does. So these are the norms that are being broken that something like this would be unthinkable because they've never done it before that are happening you know, in a flurry under Trump. So um, with that, I'm going to start off with another one other item that I sort of pointed to up front that, uh, you know, again, these things in the blur of chaos get lost. But I want to mention it as, as just noteworthy that on Monday, Trump retweeted a doctored image of Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer wearing Muslim garments in front of an Iranian flag, which said, quote, the corrupted Dems trying to do their best to the Ayatollah's rescue. Jasmine El-Gamal, Obama's advisor for the Middle East, called Trump's tweet, quote, deeply damaging to the Muslims in the U.S., as it suggests, being Muslim is incompatible with being loyal to America. The dual loyalty, which we've talked about many times already. But it just, it was quite disturbing. And something that we moved on from, you know, from, from all the other chaos that happens in the week. But I need to remind everyone that this is something that the leader of our country did as we almost went to war with Iran, suggesting Democrats, not only putting down Muslims, but suggesting Democrats were loyal to Iran over America because they didn't want to go to war or didn't want to let up on Trump doing whatever he wanted with our military forces to change the subject. So we're going to talk about this week a little bit about Iran and Trump's changing story for the strike uh, but let's get underway now. On Saturday, Trump treated support for anti-government protests in Tehran for victims of the plane crash, quote, to brave, long-suffering people of Iran. I've stood with you since the beginning of my presidency. I want to just note that that was an unintended consequence. 176 people died last week on a plane crash because of Trump's tr strike. Uh, Trump also tweeted at people at Iran, to the leaders of Iran, do not kill your protesters in capital letters. Thousands have already been killed or imprisoned by you and the world is watching. On Sunday, a new ABC News Ipsos poll found 56% disapprove of Trump's handling of Iran, 43% approve. The poll also found 52% feel less safe after the strike, 25% feel more safe, and 22% say they are not affected. On Sunday, Trump attacked Obama's former Secretary of State, falsely claiming that John Kerry admitted giving funds, quote, ridiculously to Iran that were used to fund attacks on the U.S., calling Kerry a, quote, complete fool. Trump also tweeted that Speaker Pelosi appeared on this week as crazy Nancy, why she allowed Adam Shifty Schiff to make up my conversation, adding he got caught. On Sunday, Pelosi told this week that she would not rule out the House subpoenaing former NSA John Bolton to testify if the Senate trial does not include witnesses. Pelosi said she has not ruled out the possibility of additional articles of impeachment against Trump, saying, quote, let's just see what the Senate does. The ball will be in their court soon. 
When asked about Trump's tweets, Pelosi said, quote, I don't like to spend too much time on his crazy tweets because everything he says is projection, adding, quote, everything he says, you can just translate it back to who he is. Pelosi also said, quote, the president is impeached for life, regardless of any gamemanship on the part of Mitch McConnell, adding, quote, there is nothing the Senate can do to erase that. Pelosi also said, and I'm going to ask you to stick a, a pin in this one because it happened more than once this week. Pelosi said, quote, as I have said in terms of this president, all roads lead to Putin, adding, quote, and sometimes I wonder about Mitch McConnell, too. Why is he an accomplice? To all of that. Heading into impeachment, a morning consult political poll found 57% of registered voters think the Senate should call witnesses at the impeachment trial. 24% do not. Shortly after Pelosi's interview on this week, Trump quoted Fox News analyst Greg Jarrett, tweeting, quote, Pelosi has made a mockery of impeachment. Her articles are so weak. And, quote, she thought she could extort the Senate. She couldn't. Trump also tweeted a clip of Fox News host Jeanine Pirro adding, quote, this phony impeachment hoax should not even be allowed to proceed. Did nothing wrong. Just a partisan vote. Zero Republicans. Shortly after, Trump tweeted, quote, why did nervous Nancy allow corrupt politician Shifty Shift to lie before Congress? He must be a witness. And so should she. Trump also tweeted, quote, why should I have the stigma of impeachment attached to my name when I did nothing wrong, calling it a, quote, totally partisan hoax and, quote, very unfair to tens of millions of voters. Trump also suggested the Senate should dismiss House charges, tweeting, quote, many believe that by the Senate giving credence to a trial based on no evidence, no crimes, gives a credibility, 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 sorry, it otherwise does not deserve. Trump also attacked David Chris, a Justice Department official appointed to review the FBI wiretap reform, mimicking a Fox business segment in which Devin Nunes attacked Chris. Trump tweeted, quote, you can't make this up. Dave Chris, a highly controversial former DOJ official just appointed to the FISA court to oversee reforms, adding, quote, zero credibility, the swamp. Trump also lashed out at Michael Atkinson's, his appointee for the Intelligence Committee Inspector General, tweeting, quote, ICIG Michael Atkinson faces serious questions and suggesting he is part of an anti-Trump conspiracy. Again, Trump appointed him. So I... Uh, <sighs> Here we, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, listening to these tweets in crazy land and the way Trump is speaking about people he appointed, about Democrats and how crazy it sounds. I, I know at times it's arduous to even hear this stuff, but it's so important that we do. Because the second I stop pointing out to you how crazy these are and how abnormal they are, we have arrived at normalizing them. And let me tell you something. This is my least favorite part of doing the weekly list every week is trying to hunt sites for these crazy tweets because our media increasingly is not covering them either because there's so many of them and they're so crazy. It's almost as if we've gotten used to them, but we can't get used to them because once that happens, we're turning off the lights of our democracy. On Sunday, House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff told Face a Nation that his committee is, quote, considering subpoenaing Bolton, adding, quote, Americans want to see a fair trial in the Senate. 
on Sunday. Now we're going to start the story about Iran as that was playing out this week. Defense Secretary Mike Esper told Face a Nation that he, quote, didn't see a specific piece of evidence backing Trump's claim that Iran was preparing to attack for U.S. embassies. Remember, Trump said that last week. Esper said Trump was making the point that such an attack was, quote, probably in the works, adding he shared that view, saying my expectation was that they were going after our embassies. On Monday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo declined an invitation by the House Foreign Affairs Committee to testify on the Soleimani strike. Chairman Elliot Engel said he was, quote, disappointed and frustrated by the decision. On Monday, NBC News reported Trump authorized the killing of Soleimani in June 2019. Does that sound imminent to you? June 2019 in a directive that gave him the final sign-off on any specific operation. The idea initially came up in 2017 under former NSA H.R. McMaster, but came under more serious consideration in 2018 under Bolton. Trump signed off on the strike after the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. The directive's existence explained why the option of the strike on Soleimani was on the menu provided to Trump, but undermined the regime's rationale for why they carried out the strike. On Monday, Trump tweeted, quote, The Democrats and fake news are trying to make terrorist Soleimani into a wonderful guy, adding, quote, Because I did what I should have, what should have been done 20 years ago. For 20 years, excuse me. Trump also tweeted, quote, It doesn't really matter whether, quote, the future attack by terrorist Soleimani was imminent or not. Changing the story yet again. Claiming, quote, because of his horrible past. The original tweet misspelled imminent as imminent, E-M-I-N-E-N-T. On Monday, Pompeo shifted the explanation for a strike in a speech, saying it was part of a larger strategy of deterrence, saying Iran, quote, must now understand what we will do if they ever again pose risk to American lives. Pompeo also responded to questions, saying, quote, there was in fact a set of imminent attacks that were being plotted by Soleimani, and it was unmistakable that the risks were real and growing. On Monday, CNN reported State Department officials say they were notified they were not notified of imminent threats against four U.S. embassies and did not issue specific warnings to the embassies before the strike. So again, this Iran strike and their rationale unraveled. Then on Thursday, Defense One reported 11 U.S. troops were injured when Iran struck uh, on January 8th. That was last week. And those individuals were airlifted to Kuwait and Germany. The Trump regime did not share this information with the American people last week. On Monday, Trump tweeted falsely claiming, quote, I was the person who saved pre-existing conditions in your health care and, quote, rid you of the expensive, unfair and unpopular individual mandate. Trump later tweeted, quote, I stand stronger than anyone in protecting your health care with pre-existing conditions. I am honored to have terminated the very unfair, costly, and unpopular individual mandate for you. AP Fact Check reported Trump's claims are false. His alternatives to Obamacare do not protect pre-existing conditions while they are covered with Obamacare in place. The New York Times reported the Trump regime said in a filing to the Supreme Court that its lawsuit to invalidate Obamacare, <laughs> meanwhile, is not in any rush and can wait till after the elections while lower courts consider questions more carefully. 
the Republican states who filed the lawsuit that the Trump regime had piggybacked on and had pushed the Supreme Court to settle the cases quickly reversed too, saying in a filing, quote, the current petitions do not justify immediate emergency review by the court. So again, Trump is sensing that his little game of that failed during the midterms elections of trying to dismantle Obamacare, at least before the elections, is not politically popular. Monday, Trump also has been tweeting at people running against him. He tweeted, Bernie Sanders volunteers are trashing Elizabeth Pocahontas, misspelling Pocahontas. Everyone knows her campaign is dead. Minnie Mike B is also trying, but getting tiny crowds. Trump also tweeted, really big breaking news, kidding, Booker, who has was pulling zero, just dropped out. I was so concerned that I would someday have to go head to head with him. I guess that's being funny. On Monday, in a little hint of what was to come, Joseph Bondi, the attorney for Love Parnas, tweeted a photo of Parnas and Trump together and said they provided, quote, a trove of Love Parnas's WhatsApp messages, texts, and images to the House. On Monday, the White House urged Senate Republicans to preserve the option to speed through a Senate impeachment trial and dismiss charges as Trump looked for a quick end to the proceedings. Republicans debated, including a provision in a resolution to dismiss the charges, which would require 51 votes and would stop the trial. Senate Majority Leader McConnell told Republicans he does not want to hold that vote if it would fail. On Monday, Trump tweeted, quote, we demand fairness. Shouts Pelosi and do nothing Democrats, yet the Dems in the House wouldn't let us have one witness, no lawyers, or even ask questions, calling it a witch hunt. That, of course, is false. Pelosi responded, accusing Trump of a cover-up, contrasting it to the Clinton impeachment process, in which 66 witnesses were allowed to testify, including three in the Senate trial, and 90,000 pages of documents were turned over. Pelosi added it in, in a tweet, quote, Trump was too afraid to let any of his top aides testify and covered up every single document, adding, quote, the Senate must end this cover-up. Later Monday, Senator Roy Blunt, the number four Republican in the Senate, told reporters there, quote, certainly aren't 51 votes for a motion to dismiss articles of impeachment against Trump. On Monday, a Quinnipiac poll found 46% believe the Senate should remove Trump in a trial. 48% did not. The poll also found 66% said they would like to see Bolton testify. So that's the second poll to find that very popular. Later Monday, CBS News reported the White House is preparing for at least four GOP Senate senators to defect and vote to call witnesses, including Senators Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and possibly Cory Gardner. Other possible defections included Senators Rand Paul and Lamar Alexander, a Senate institutionalist. White House officials also said they expected Trump to invoke executive privilege to block Bolton from testifying. On Monday, the New York Times reported Russian hackers, this will Bring you back memories of 2016, the New York Times reported Russian hackers from a military intelligence unit, GRU, successfully hacked Ukrainian gas company Burisma, which is at the center of the impeachment trial. It was unclear what hackers found or what they were looking for. Experts suggested they were searching for potentially embarrassing information on the Bidens, such as Trump sought and investigations he requested from Ukraine. 
The Russian tactic is similar to the one used in 2016. The GRU set up fake websites then, <coughs> and did so now, that mimicked Burisma subsidiaries and emailed them to Burisma employees in what looked like an internal company email. On Tuesday, CNN reported behind closed doors, this member, the first flag I pointed you to, this is the second one about Pelosi and McConnell, Pelosi raised concerns to her caucus about the Russian hack into Burisma. She said she learned of the hack through reporting and the Gang of Eight had not been briefed. Pelosi said McConnell is acting like a rogue Senate leader and mused that she sometimes wonders if he has Russian connections. On Sunday, Axios reported Russian President Vladimir Putin urged Syrian President President Bashar al-Assad to invite Trump to Damascus in a video that aired Sunday on Russia One TV. On Wednesday in his annual State of the Nation speech, Putin called for constitutional changes which would give him a path to hold power at the end of his term in 2024 as he reaches a two-term limit again. In response, Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev, a longtime Putin ally, unexpectedly resigned along with his entire cabinet. The change would change would weaken the presidency and give the cabinet and PM more power. On Monday, the Treasury Department released data showing the U.S. budget surpassed budget deficit surpassed one trillion in 2019, a 17% increase from 2018 and its highest level since 2012. Notably, we are in an expansion period, so that's highly unusual. On Monday, a Wisconsin judge found the State Election Commission and three of its members in contempt for not having removed more than 200,000 voters from the voter rolls and fined them $250 each day that is not done. On Monday, George Natter, the key wit- a key witness in the Mueller probe, pleaded guilty to child sex charges. He still faces federal court charges on conspiring to funnel illegal campaign contributions. On Wednesday, lawyers for Michael Flynn said he is looking to withdraw his guilty plea. He offered two years ago, just two weeks before he was set to face his long-delayed sentencing. On Thursday, a federal judge agreed to postpone Flynn's sentencing for another month while he considers a request to withdraw his guilty plea. On Thursday, Time Magazine featured Jared Kushner on the cover with the headline, quote, The Family Business, The Unusual Power of Jared Kushner. Campaign manager Brad Parscale refers to Kushner as number two after Trump. On Monday, the Trump regime asked the Supreme Court to lift a lower court order blocking its efforts to make it more difficult for immigrants who rely on public assistance, known as the public charge, to gain legal status. On Monday, the Washington Post reported Trump is preparing to divert an additional $7.2 billion in Pentagon funds for his wall five times the amount Congress had authorized and bringing the total to $18.4 billion. The regime took $2.5 billion from military counter-drug programs in 2019 and will increase that to $3.5 billion in 2020. The regime will also divert $3.7 billion in military construction funding, up from $3.6 billion in 2019. Trump viewed the court ruling in his favor in week 165 as encouragement to take more money. The regime completed 101 miles of new barrier walls so far, 
far less than the 450 miles Trump has promised his supporters he will have completed by Election Day. On Monday, Nellie Jordan, a Republican Party leader in Delaware, was removed from her position as vice chair after posting on Facebook that Jewish people who support impeaching Trump are Jews in, quote, name only. On Tuesday, a high school student in Kentucky was expelled from Whitfield, or excuse me, Whitefield, appropriately, Academy after a photo of her 15th birthday celebration was shared on social media showing her wearing a rainbow shirt. Kel Horror. An official at the school said the picture, quote, demonstrates a posture of morality and cultural acceptance contrary to that of the Whitefield Academy's beliefs and was one of her lifestyle violations. Here we are in 2020. On Tuesday, leaked emails show Trump advisor Stephen Miller suggested to Breitbart the idea of shipping immigrants out of the U.S. on trains as a scare tactic, saying migrants might, quote, replace existing demographics. On Tuesday, Yahoo News reported that in addition to the appointed judges who are extremists, out of the 187 confirmed, 85% of Trump nominees have been white and 76% are men. On Tuesday, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee announced he will sign a measure into law which allowed continued funding to faith-based, so to speak, foster care and adoption agencies that exclude LGBTQ families based on religious beliefs. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the FBI arrested three men suspected of being members of a neo-Nazi hate group called The Base. I think we're going to be hearing more about The Base on their way to a pro-gun rally in Virginia in anticipation of a possible race war. On Friday, the Huffington Post reported three additional neo-Nazis were arrested in the lead-up to the Virginia gun rally. Three Georgia men were arrested on charges of conspiracy to commit murder as part of the base. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam declared a state of emergency and banned firearms and other weapons on the Capitol grounds for the week. On Friday, the Supreme Court upheld the ban after it was challenged. On Friday, a Washington Post-Ipsos poll found 8 in 10 black Americans described Trump as racist and has made racism a bigger issue in this country. The poll also found 9 in 10 disapprove of the job he has done. On Friday, Pew Research found 68% of Hispanic voters disapprove of Trump and 67% are dissatisfied with the country's direction after him. Among Democrats, 87% place a high importance on the 2020 election. On Friday, the Supreme Court agreed to consider whether the Trump regime can allow employees to limit women's access to free birth control under the Affordable Care Act. So just to recap, (laughs) people of color believe their situation in our country has gotten a lot worse. Women might lose access to free contraceptives under Obamacare. Trump might try to dismantle Obamacare and is lying about his efforts there. Everyday racism is all over. We have the uprise of new neo-Nazi groups in our country. So that's just the kind of stuff that we're hearing about week after week under Trump. Now back to the Senate, Senate trial. Uh, coming up. On Tuesday, Senator Tim Kaye told reporters that as many as 10 Republican senators are considering supporting his resolution that would direct Trump to remove forces from any hostilities against Iran within 30 days, 
On Tuesday, Politico reported Senator Ted Cruz pitched the idea of witness reciprocity, saying if Democrats wanted to hear from Bolton as a witness, Republicans would be able to call Hunter Biden. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported behind the scenes, Trump's team was inviting conservative activists to the White House to plan and strategize as they braced for a damaging period. Lawmakers were also anxious as they faced an unpredictable process, and debates raged publicly and privately about whether to call witnesses and compel evidence. Later Tuesday, House Democrats released dozens of pages, notes of notes, text messages, and other records provided by Parnas to the four House committees on the day before articles were set to be transmitted. So this was happening Tuesday night. Documents were sent to the Senate in a letter from Chairman Schiff saying, quote, despite unprecedented obstruction by Trump, quote, the committee continues to receive and review evidence and will make, quote, supplemental transmittals. Documents included Parnas's handwritten notes on Brits Carlton Hotel in Vienna paper, which he claimed were instructions from Giuliani saying, quote, get Zelensky to announce that the Biden case will be investigated. Documents also included exchanges with Ukrainian prosecutor Lusensko in March 2019 on WhatsApp, in which he complains to Parnas about Maria Yovanovitch, quote, you can't even get rid of that one female fool. Documents also showed Parnas helped set up a video interview for Lysenko with John Solomon of the Hill about Yovanovitch. After the interview, Parnas texted to Ahern and wrote, quote, have Junior retweet it. Ahern replied, sent. Then Parnas texted, urging him to, quote, watch Hannity. Other texts indicate Trump tweeted about the Hannity segment, and Donald Jr. tweeted, the U.S. needs, quote, less of these jokes as ambassadors. So you can see everyone was in the loop. Texts from Trump donor, former Marine and 2020 candidate for the uh, House, Robert Hyde, to Parnas seemed to indicate he had Yovanovitch under surveillance in March and made comments that appeared threatening. On March 25th, Hyde texted Parnas, quote, she's talked to three people, her phone is off, computer is off. Then later, quote, they know she is a political puppet, followed by, quote, they will let me know when she's on the move. Hyde also texted, this is all about Yovanovitch. Quote, they are willing to help if we, you, would like a price. Guess you can do anything in Ukraine with money. What I was told. Parnas, Parnas responded, LOL. Documents also included a May 10th, 2019 letter from Giuliani to a then-Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky requesting a meeting in which he said Trump had, quote, knowledge and consent of his actions. That's the first public document to state this. Giuliani also said in a letter that he was acting in Trump's personal capacity, writing, quote, in my capacity as personal counsel to President Trump, and adding that he would, quote, be accompanied by my former colleague, Victoria Tosing. So while all this was going on on Tuesday, there was a Democratic debate, and Trump held a campaign rally in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, during the debate. Trump said of Soleimani, quote, great percentages of people don't have legs or arms because of the son of a bitch. Trump also mocked Democrats, saying it, quote, doesn't matter to them that Soleimani killed, quote, hundreds of thousands of people, claiming they'll, quote, start a new investigation over whether there was any imminent threat. Trump also applied the number of embassies under attack could have been more than four. 
a charge his own regime did not back, saying, quote, if I didn't kill him, let's say we lost three, four, five embassies or bases. Trump blamed Obama for Soleimani, the, quote, king of roadside bombs, saying, quote, he should have been killed 20 years ago. He also attacked Pelosi, saying, quote, her district is filthy dirty, telling her to spend more time at home. Trump also touted a war crime, saying, quote, people said to me, why are you staying in Syria? Adding, quote, because I keep the oil, which frankly we should have done in Iraq. Again, keeping the oil, which you bragged about last week, is a war crime. Trump also veered off, saying, quote, somebody said, oh, sir, don't mention the light bulb. Adding, quote, the new light bulb costs five times as much and it makes you look orange and he cares more about orange light than the cost. This is what he's talking about at a campaign rally. But not to be outdone by himself, Trump also commented on dishwashers, hyping, quote, new dishwashers that give you more water so you can actually watch and rinse your dishes without having to do it 10 times. New York Times reported Trump's voice was uncharacteristically hoarse as he delivered his standard rambling speech, delivered rosy memories of his 2016 election and grieving errances. He also faced protesters in a sea of red t-shirts. On Wednesday, Chairman Schiff said the Parnas documents make clear Giuliani, quote, is acting at the behest and with the knowledge and consent of the president. The documents represent a small sample of what Trump is withholding. On Wednesday, House Foreign Affairs Chair Elliot Engel requested documents from the State Department related to Hyde, Parnas, and Yovanovitch, noting alarm that Hyde texted he had a, quote, person inside. On Wednesday, Politico reported the State Department abruptly canceled two classified congressional briefings on embassy security and the U.S. relationship with Iran scheduled for Wednesday. The cancellations coincided with the release of Parnas documents. A House aide said staffers were furious and noted the briefings are required by law every month. The State Department gave no explanation for the abrupt cancellations. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported White House lawyers are trying to engineer the fastest impeachment trial in American history with the goal of concluding the trial in a few days without calling witnesses. The White House aides were also concerned about managing Trump and his tweeting during the trial. They plan to have several surrogates on television defending Trump during the trial. White House counsel Pat Cipollone is expected to lead Trump's defense team after Trump took advice not to appoint House members. Some aides worry if Cipollone will perform well enough on TV for Trump. (sighs) Okay, this was kind of a big story that, like many, gets lost in the chaos. On Tuesday, European countries triggered a dispute mechanism in the Iran nuclear deal that could lead to the return of UN sanctions. Britain, France, and Germany said Iran's statements left them no choice. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported days before Britain, France, and Germany warned of the violation, Trump had threatened them that he would impose a 25% tariff on European automobiles if they refused to call out Iran. On Wednesday, NPR reported the Trump regime is expected to release more than $8 billion allocated through the Department of Housing and Urban Development Disaster Relief Fund to Puerto Rico, finally. The aid was supposed to be released months ago to help Puerto Rico rebuild in the wake of hurricanes Irma and Maria. So far, $1.5 billion has been made available after Congress approved $20 billion. So this happened on Wednesday, and there might be a reason why this happened Wednesday as we continue on the list. 
Congressional Democrats have continuously complained about the delay. They also sought to ramp up pressure on the regime after Puerto Rico faced a series of earthquakes recently. HUD was supposed to release $8.2 billion of aid to Puerto Rico in September, but did not. Forty members of Congress asked HUD Secretary Ben Carson in a letter for, quote, an explanation as to why your department has chosen to violate the law. On Wednesday, Politico reported that U.S. intelligence officials have quietly asked the House and Senate Intelligence Committees not to hold open hearings this year on election interference, fearing anger by Trump. This reminds me of that, the first story we started out with, of blurring images of the Women's March not to anger Trump. The request came from the Director of National Intelligence, saying they did not want intelligence chiefs to be seen on camera disagreeing with Trump on big issues like threats from Iran, Russia, or North Korea. On Thursday, AP reported federal officials announced in a change of policy, the FBI plans to notify state officials, in most cases the Secretary of State, if local election systems have been breached. In the past, only local officials were notified, meaning state officials might certify an election without realizing there had been a breach in individual counties. The change is meant to bolster federal-state cooperation. On Friday, Acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf said at an event that Homeland Security fully expects Russia to attempt to interfere in U.S. elections in 2020, but added, let me be clear, we are prepared. Wolf said, as we saw in 2016, Russia will, quote, attempt to interfere in the 2020 elections to sow public discord and undermine our democratic institutions. He also highlighted threats from China and Iran. Wolf said agencies are, quote, laser-focused on securing the 2020 elections and praised reforms made since 2016, which he claimed ensure that over 90% of votes cast in 2020 will have corresponding paper ballots. On Friday, the Kansas City Star reported a local Kansas City radio station, KCXL, signed a lease to broadcast six hours of programming from a Russia state-owned media outlet, Radio Sputnik. The station is owned by RM Broadcasting in Florida. The owner disputed the DNI's 2017 assessment that Sputnik and RT were involved in Moscow's efforts to influence the 2016 election and considered them to be propaganda. On Wednesday, Pelosi announced her impeachment managers. You can see a picture of them with this week's list a diverse group led by Chairman Schiff, including Chairman Jerry Nadler, Zoe Logren, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, Sylvia Garcia, Val Demings, and Jason Crow. As we talked about at the open, there have been 20 impeachment managers in U.S. history. All have been white men. Pelosi picked three women to be part of the seven and three people of color. As Pelosi was naming her managers in a ceremony, Trump tweeted, quote, here we go and again, another con job by the do-nothing Democrats, adding, quote, all of this work was supposed to be done by the House, not the Senate. Pelosi said the managers would walk the articles to the Senate at 5 p.m. McConnell's office said the Senate must notify the House managers that they are ready to receive the articles and ask for them at Thursday noon instead. It's like we're in grade school. In an opening debate on the resolution, Nadler said Trump, quote, gravely abused the power of his office and, quote, betrayed our country by using powers of his office, quote, to pressure a government to help him win re-election. 
Pelosi stood next to a poster of the American flag and a quote from the Pledge of Allegiance and said, quote, once somebody is impeached, they are always impeached. It cannot be erased. Adding Trump, quote, gave us no choice. Pelosi said of said Trump was guilty of, quote, an assault on the Constitution of the United States. And addressing minority Kev- leader Kevin McCarthy said, quote, it's not personal, it's not political, it's not partisan, it's patriotic. The resolution to send the articles passed 228 to 193. Pelosi held an engrossment ceremony at 5 p.m., then impeachment managers march to the Capitol Rotunda to present the articles to the Secretary of State. Pelosi signed the resolution with black impeachment pens, her signature emblazoned in gold, and used one pen for each letter and handed them out to members of Congress. Republicans complained. After the articles were delivered, McConnell announced the details for Thursday's proceedings. As promised earlier in the latest gamemanship, McConnell did not accept articles Wednesday from the Democrats' procession. On Wednesday, as the House voted on impeachment, Trump signed phase one of a trade deal with China months after initially claiming the countries had made such a deal. The phase offered modest changes. Trump held a grandiose ceremony in the White House with Chinese officials flanked by his team of all-white men inviting 27 members of Congress, four cabinet secretaries, two governors, and a Fox business host. Trump told reporters, quote, some of the congressmen may have a vote, calling it the impeachment hoax, adding, quote, it's not going to matter, but I'd rather have you voting than sitting here listening to me introduce you, okay? Later Wednesday, Representative Demings, one of the impeachment managers, called on McConnell to recuse himself from the impeachment trial, given a statement on Fox News that he is coordinating with the White House. Deming's statement noted, quote, the moment Senator McConnell takes the oath of impartiality required by the Constitution, he will be in violation, adding, quote, he has effectively promised to let Trump manage his own trial. Later Wednesday, Parnas told NMSNBC's Rachel Maddow, and this was quite an interview, this had the whole country glued, quote, Trump knew exactly what was going on, adding, quote, he was well aware of my movements. I wouldn't do anything without the consent of Giuliani or Trump. Parnas also told Zelensky, also said of Zelensky and his inner circle, quote, they have no reason to speak to me, adding, quote, they were told to meet with me. And that's the secret that they're trying to keep. I was on the ground doing their work. Asked if Ukraine's effort by Giuliani was to hurt Joe Biden, Parnos said, quote, it was never about corruption. It was never, it was strictly about Burisma, which included Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Parnos said when he arrived in Kiev in May, he was given a clear directive by Giuliani to make clear to Zelensky that unless he publicly announced an investigation, Ukraine's relationship with the U.S., quote, would sour. Parnas said that one of the consequences he threatened was that Vice President Pence's planned trip to attend Zelensky's inauguration, a high-level recognition urgently sought by Ukrainians, would be canceled. The next day, Trump instructed Pence to cancel his trip to the inauguration. Parnas said Pence was aware of what they were up to and that the Ukrainians got the message. That was a big bombshell that Parnas is claiming that Pence knows what's going on. 
Parnas also said that Attorney General William Barr was likely aware of what was going on, saying, quote, Mr. Barr had to have known everything. I mean, it's impossible, adding Attorney General Barr was basically on the team. Again, extraordinary. Parnas also said that he met several times with Representative Devin Nunes, who had denied knowing Parnas to Fox News, and said he was referred to Nunes' aide, who was aware of what he and Giuliani were doing. Parnas said he wants to testify because, quote, I want to tell the truth out, adding, quote, it's important for our country, and, quote, there's a lot of things that are being said that are inaccurate. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice told MSNBC that Parnas's claim regarding Attorney General Barr were 100% false. Maddow said her show asked for comment from Pence's office but did not get a response. While the show was airing, Giuliani said in a statement to MSNBC that Parnos, quote, never spoke on behalf of Trump, asked if Parnos was lying. Giuliani said, quote, all I can say is the truth, and, quote, he's a very bad situation. Later Wednesday, Representative Nunes changed his previous story on Fox News, saying he can now remember the call, but described it as a, quote, very odd and random, and saying Yovanovitch was not discussed. Shortly after, Representative Ted Lieu tweeted that Nunes wrote him a letter threatening that he will, quote, sue me if I did not apologize for saying last month that Nunes conspired with Parnas. Shortly after, Hyde told Sinclair Broadcasting that he had, quote, absolutely not been monitoring Yovanovitch, saying it was just colorful. We were playing. I thought we were playing. So again, all these denials coming out as somebody who was directly involved speaks out. Later Wednesday, the New York Times reported on their interview with Parnas. Parnas expressed regret for having trusted Trump and Giuliani. His lawyer said Parnas was eager to cooperate with prosecutors investigating Giuliani. Parnas said he did not speak with Trump on Ukraine, but he met with him several times, and he was told by Giuliani Trump was in the loop. Parnas said of a text from Giuliani, quote, It's going to work. I have number one on it. Number one is Trump. Texts and call logs turned over by Parnos revealed he was in contact with Hicks, Tom Hicks Jr. We talked about him last week wanting to buy the competitor to Fox News, a Trump family friend, and Joseph A. Hearn, a fundraiser for Trump, about the developments in Ukraine. In one photograph from May 2018, Parnos is pictured with Hicks and Donald Jr. That month, Parnas and his associates, Igor Freeman, donated $325,000 to a pro-Trump super PAC with which Hicks and Ahern were affiliated. Text revealed a circle of communication on the topics of Yovanovitch, Parnas, Hicks, and Giuliani, and conservative media news host uh, Sean Hannity, The Daily Caller, and One American News Network. Later Wednesday, the Washington Post reported Hyde has a history of turbulent behavior. This is a guy that was surveying Yovanovitch, including being involuntarily committed to a psychiatric hospital after an incident at Trump's Doral Resort in May 2019. So that would have been two months after he was surveilling Yovanovitch. Hyde was also subject to a restraining order against him for, quote, inappropriate behavior and advances against a female political consultant. His social media posts included him at a bowling alley at the White House in May. Later Wednesday, New York Times reported Hyde was often seen in Trump circles at the Trump Hotel, D.C. He gained access to Trump events, having donated $25,000 to Trump's inaugural committee, 
and other GOP causes. On Thursday, in an interview with CNN, <coughs> Parna said he met Ukrainian officials another time to demand an investigation on the Bidens. The first time was in early 2019 with then-Ukrainian President Petro Por Poroshenko. Parna said he told Poroshenko he would need to announce an inquiry of Burisma, saying, quote, Trump would either invite him to the White House or make a statement for him, but basically would start supporting him for president if he did so. Parna said he later told a Zelensky aide, unless they announced an investigation, quote, there was no aid, no inauguration, Pence wouldn't be at the inauguration, and no visit to the White House. Parnas also said Joe DiGenova and Victoria Tosing arranged to sit down with Barr and one senior DOJ official on behalf of their client, Ukrainian oligarch Dmitry Firtash, who agreed to get dirt on the Bidens. Parnas said Barr was aware of the arrangement, saying, quote, Bill Barr basically did the meeting as a favor to Joe DiGenova. Parnas also got a cut from the $1 million retainer Firtash paid to the lawyers. On Thursday, the New York Times reported Ukraine has opened a criminal investigation into allies of Trump following reports that Yovanovitch was under surveillance while stationed in Kiev, as revealed in Parnas's documents. So here we are. We have Ukraine conducting a criminal investigation, but we have heard nothing from our own Secretary of State about what these texts and messages from Parnas revealed. The Internal Affairs Ministry of Ukraine said documents quote, contain facts of possible violation of Ukrainian law and of the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, which protect the rights of diplomats. The statement also noted Ukraine, quote, cannot ignore such an illegal activities in its territories. The move was remarkable departure for Zelensky, who has tried to avoid any hint of partisanship dealing with the U.S. On Thursday, Ukraine said it has asked the FBI for help in investigating the reported hacking of Burisma by hackers working for Russia. On Thursday, Pence told reporters of Parnas, quote, I don't know the guy, and called the allegations that he was aware of efforts to pressure Ukraine to investigate the Bidens as, quote, completely false. On Thursday, a nonpartisan federal watchdog agency, the GAO, or Government Accountability Office, said the White House's Office of Management and Budget violated the law when it withheld $391 million from Ukraine. At issue is the Impoundment Control Act, which limits a president's power to withhold money that has been allocated by Congress without legislative approval. The act was enacted, ironically, in 1974 over Nixon's veto. The Trump regime rejected the findings. This is the third time the DOJ, excuse me, the GAO has found that Trump violated the Impoundment Act, including in December 2017 related to the Energy Department, and 2018, December, related to DHS funds. Although the report does not result in any action or specific penalty against the White House or Trump, it will focus attention during the impeachment trial on the legality of Trump's freezing Ukrainian aid. On Thursday, GOP Senator Martha McSally lashed out at a CNN reporter asking her about impeachment, saying, quote, you're a liberal hack. I'm not talking to you. McSally also tweeted a video clip of the encounter, which seemingly she was pretty proud of. On Thursday at her weekly news conference, Pelosi said of Republicans who do not want the partisan evidence introduced at the trial, quote, they're afraid of the truth and, quote, want to ignore anything new that comes up. 
Pelosi added, quote, public opinion will have a lot to do with this. And he, quote, public opinion has grown enormously for seeing witnesses and documentation. And, quote, they'll just have to contend with that public on that. Pelosi also criticized Facebook, calling the company, quote, shameful and accused it of acting in a, quote, irresponsible way, adding, quote, they didn't even check on the money from Russia in the last election. Pelosi added, quote, the Facebook business model is strictly to make money, adding they don't care about the impact on children or the truth, and they intend, quote, to be accomplices for misleading the American people. Big charges. On Thursday, the Senate began the formal impeachment trial. The House impeachment managers again walked the articles of impeachment over since uh, we remember on Wednesday at 5, McConnell refused to take them. Schiff read aloud the articles of impeachment to the senators. Schiff added Trump, quote, warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts administered an oath to 99 senators in session. Senator James Inhofe was absent due to a family emergency, requiring them to swear to deliver impartial justice as jurors in the trial. The clerk then called each senator by name for their turn to sign the oath book on the table in the well in the Senate, meant to convey the gravity of presidential and judicial impeachment trials. On Thursday, senators voted unanimously to allow the sergeant-at-arms to, quote, install appropriate equipment and furniture in the Senate chamber. Cell phones, computers, and other electronic gadgets will not be allowed during the trial. On Thursday, as this was going on and as the, trend, the trial was getting underway, Trump tweeted in capital letters, I just got impeached for making a perfect phone call. On Thursday, following calls from Democrats led by Senator Kamala Harris, Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Lindsey Graham paused judicial nominations during the impeachment trial. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the Department of Justice will investigate a years-old leak of classified information about Russian intelligence documents and appears to be focusing on former FBI director and Trump adversary James Comey. The investigation marks the second time the DOJ has investigated Comey, who Trump called a, quote, leaker and said he should face present time. And we'll focus on Comey providing details to reporters. Prosecutors are examining articles in the New York Times and Washington Post in 2017, which cite a Russian government document. The document played a key role in Comey's decision not to recommend charges against Hillary Clinton. The timing in the investigation was highly unusual given leaks are typically investigated when they appear. It is being conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, which is also investigating Andrew McCabe. On Thursday, in the second part of his MSNBC interview, and before I continue, again, how highly unusual we see a tyrant using his Department of Justice to investigate his political opponents. This is the second time they're going after Comey. They're also going after McCabe. They're also threatening to go after others. The list is getting longer. This is authoritarianism. On Thursday, in the second part of his MSNBC interview, Parnos said, quote, it was all about 2020 to make sure Trump had another four years, adding, quote, there was no other reason for doing it. Parnas also brought Energy Secretary Rick Perry into the fold, saying he was involved. 
noting on his way to Zelensky's inauguration, he called Giuliani, quote, to ask him what to discuss, and Rudy told him to make sure to give Zelensky the message. Parnas added that Perry called Giuliani after the inauguration, saying, quote, that he spoke to Zelensky and Zelensky's going to do it. Parnas said the effort did not lead to Zelensky making a general announcement. Excuse me, led to Zelensky making a general announcement, however. Parnos noted, quote, Giuliani blew his lid that he made a general announcement because the announcement, quote, wasn't supposed to be a corruption announcement, adding, quote, it had to be about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Burisma. Parnas also recalled a conversation with Trump at a super PAC dinner and said something where he said something negative about Yovanovitch to him. And then Trump immediately turned to aide John DiSavano and said, quote, fire her. Parnas said Trump lawyer Jay Sekulow was also in the loop, adding he didn't agree with what Rudy was doing, but knew what he was doing, adding Sekulow, quote, didn't want to be involved in the Ukraine stuff. Parnas and Sekulow held discussions about getting a visa for Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin so Giuliani could, quote, debrief him in front of Lindsey Graham and certain other people like the attorney general. Parnas said that former Trump attorney John Dowd visited him in jail and told him to be a, quote, good boy and to, quote, be quiet. Records show Trump and Sekulo spoke about Dowd representing Parnos and Igor Fruman. Parnas also compared Trump to a, quote, cult leader, adding he believes he is more safe telling his story than leaving it in the hands of Barr, saying, quote, I'm more scared of our Justice Department than I am of these criminals. On Thursday, presidential historian Douglas Brinkley compared Trump to Billy the Kid and Al Capone, saying, quote, he's going to be seen as acting in a demagogic way and acting in a dictatorial way. On Friday, Trump announced his made-for-TV impeachment legal counsel with the addition of former independent counsel Ken Starr and celebrity lawyer Alan Dershowitz. Trump also enlisted Robert Ray, Starr's successor as independent counsel, who negotiated a settlement with Clinton as he left the White House. All three appear on Fox News and face controversies. Dershowitz represented Jeffrey Epstein. Starr was fired as president of Baylor University over his mishandling of sexual misconduct by the football team. Ray Wood charged was stalking a former girlfriend. Perfect, all three of them, just like Trump. <laughs> Trump's legal team will be led by White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his personal lawyer Sokolow will also be charged with preserving Trump's support with Senate Republicans. Other lawyers on the team include Pam Bondi, the former Florida Attorney General who declined to pursue charges against Trump University, along with Jane Serene Raskin and Eric Hirschman. On Friday, Pompeo broke 72 hours of silence over alleged surveillance and threats to Yovanovitch, saying he believed the allegations were false but that he had an obligation to evaluate and investigate the matter. Again, this is now Friday. On Thursday, we already had Ukraine say they were going to investigate the matter as a criminal matter. Pompeo claimed in a radio interview that he had no knowledge of the allegations prior to the release of the Parnas documents. He claimed he did not know and had not met Parnas. On Friday, Chairman Engel threatened in a letter to subpoena Pompeo if he fails to appear for a scheduled House Foreign Affairs Committee hearing on January 29th to discuss Iran policy. On Friday, Trump tweeted, quote, the GOA got it exactly backwards, meaning the GAO. He cited Dershowitz and Sean Hannity on Fox News, adding, quote, 
They do what the House asks, the swamp. Again, this is a nonpartisan organization, watchdog organization. On Friday, the Trump regime proposed additional changes to former First Lady Michelle Obama's signature achievement of stricter nutrition standards on the school menu. Friday was also her birthday. USDA Deputy Undersecretary Brandon Lips announced the changes would allow schools to cut the amount of vegetables and fruit on the menu and sell more pizza, burgers, and fries. On Friday, newly released Parnas documents revealed repeated contact via text message between Nunes aide Derek Harvey and Parnas related to Giuliani's Ukraine efforts. Text messages also revealed the three met at Ho- Trump Hotel DC and that Parnas set up calls for Harvey, the Nunes aide, with the same Ukrainian prosecutors who were working with Giuliani. Text messages showed that Harvey sent Parnas's Nunes's contact information on April 10th, two days before the two spoke. Parnas told MSNBC, Nunes, quote, couldn't be in the spotlight, citing, quote, something to do with an ethics committee. On Friday, Representative Ted Lieu tweeted a response to Nunes's lawyer over his threats to sue him, saying, it is true. Nunes worked with Parnas, quote, and conspired to undermine our government, adding, quote, take your letter and shove it. On Friday, Hyde pointed the finger at ardent European Trump supporter Anthony de Kalou for surveying Yovanovitch, claiming he had copied and pasted information received from him and sent it to Parnas. De Kalou denied the allegations, telling NBC News that Hyde's statement was incorrect and saying he declined to provide the information Hyde sought, claiming, quote, I informed him it's against the law. Then on Saturday, he reversed after an additional batch of documents were released telling NBC News he did send the messages to Hyde, but that there was no actual surveillance and it was meant as a joke. He said in a statement, quote, My engagement in this exchange with Rob is something that has no credibility. My friendship with with Rob was jovial, and this exchange was just part of a ridiculous banter. On Friday, in a court filing submitted shortly before midnight, former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein said he was the one who made the decision to release Peter Strzok and Lisa Page texts. Rosenstein said he decided to release the texts to the media before his testimony, citing concerns they would be cherry-picked in a manner to undermine the DOJ as well as Strzok and Page. On Saturday, Trump lawyer Bondi dismissed new evidence provided by Parnos on Today, saying, quote, Parnos likes to take pictures with a lot of people. He showed up at events pretty much everywhere where Republicans were. When asked about evidence that Parnas had breakfast meetings with Trump in September, just days before Parnas was arrested, Bondi said, I don't know that what that matters. We're going to stick to the facts. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported after a Friday night fundraiser on, at Mar-a-Lago, Trump delivered a dramatic account, including new details of the strike against Soleimani. Trump did not mention an imminent attack or threats to the U.S. embassies, instead saying Soleimani was responsible for, quote, every young, beautiful man or woman you see walking around with no legs, no arms. Trump said to applause, quote, he was saying bad things about our country, like we're going to attack, we're going to kill your people. I said, quote, listen, how much more of the shit do we have to listen to, right? Trump also described the Situation Room moments before the attack in great detail. He bragged he increased the defense budget by $2.5 trillion. The actual amount is $738 billion in total. And said to those who criticized the budget deficit, quote, 
Who the hell cares about the budget? We're going to save our country. On Saturday, Trump retweeted, quote, your second amendment is under very serious attack in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. And in quote, that's what happens when you vote for Democrats. It will take away your guns. Trump's tweet came as thousands were expected in Richmond to protest Governor Northam's measure put in place after arrests made by the FBI that we've discussed. The state capitol was enclosed by a chain leak fence and barricades. On Saturday, thousands marched in the fourth annual Women's March in Washington, D.C. and other cities. Participants said this year's demonstrators said they felt something new, hope. So with that, closing off another week, prepare yourself for the Senate trial that's set to begin on Tuesday. Till then, stay involved, stay engaged, and resist. Talk soon.